0: Well, Ayala Ruvio and Forrest Morgison are both professors in Michigan State University's Eli Broad College of Business in the Marketing Department. And in November, for the Harvard Business Review, they wrote an article called, Are You Being Quiet Fired? And it's great to welcome both of you to MSU today.
1: Well, thank you. It's a, it's a pleasure being here.
0: Why don't you tell me first a little bit, just give me a little bit of your background and your research interest. how you even got interested in, in quiet firing.
1: So I'm a consumer behavior researcher, but my early um, work, actually my thesis was on job insecurity. So, um, and that was actually one of my most cited papers on, on job insecurity and how you define it. And the fact that um, you can experience job insecurity not just by the fear of being fired, but by the fear of certain elements of your job being taken away from mm-hmm. you. and that's exactly what quiet firing is.
2: And Forrest? Yeah, my, my perspective's a little bit different from my allies. I'm a what we call a marketing strategy person where I look at sort of high level indicators of company success in terms of marketing to customers. So I've looked at a variety of topics related to customer experience and customer satisfaction. Um, and part of that story is usually closely linked to how well companies are doing with their employees and treating their employees. So I sort of come at it from the other perspective where I'm looking at it from ultimately the end-user consumer of goods and the employees being an important intermediary intermediary there in terms of keeping those customers happy.
0: So how do we define quiet firing? Sort of set the scene? How pervasive is it?
1: Quiet firing is almost a strategy that a company will take to trim out some of their employees quietly. <laughs> so if you open a newspaper today, um, then you will read about this company or another company that's laying off people. So that is not quite firing. This is actually pretty loud. And announcing something like that actually hurt the company, right? Quiet firing has the advantage of sometimes achieving almost the same exact thing, getting re- rid of a fair amount of employees, but not in a way that is publicly known, so quietly. We know that it's not rare for employer to help push certain employees out the door by um, eliminating certain elements of their job, but in the past it was more on one-to-one basis right so your department chair doesn't like you you won't get the courses that you want to teach and so on and so on that's not what we're talking about what we're talking about is a deliberate strategy that the
2: company is taking
1: on a broader basis that it's not targeted to a specific person
2: right i think that's the idea is that you know it's uh... A way that companies are are going about trying to eliminate employees that they don't think are beneficial to the organization or aren't going to help the organization meet its goals, but doing so in a way that isn't as – doesn't have as much potential backlash, doesn't have the same sort of uh, negative elements in terms of supervisors – literally laying people off or demoting people or taking away um, their pay and saying, you know, you can leave or accept this. But it's, you know, making an unpleasant work environment and trying to sneakily get those employees to leave under their own free will i mean we're seeing some some i think pretty clear examples of it on a really large scale um though they're some of them are being you know are sort of so obvious that they're being called out for what they are which is strategies to get companies to um you know to reduce the workforce but but you've seen it lately in some of the tech layoffs that we've had where um they've laid off a bunch of people and they've also said and for those of you that remain. We're going to be removing all of these benefits. We're going to be removing your work at home privileges. We're going to be removing your free lunches. We're going to make, you know, things are changing around here. Right. And, and those are pretty obvious. Right. And those are done at a, a pretty wide scale and broad level. But um, usually it tends to not quite be that obvious what the, what the firms are doing.
0: So is it kind of related to quiet quitting or they just seem to have similar
2: names? So quiet quitting
1: is on at the individual level. So okay. when the situation, it can be a reaction to quiet firing, but it's a situation where um, employee mentally and behaviorally check out and they do the minimum that they need to do in order to remain employee in the company. But there's no engagement. There's no involvement. There's no going over and above to do certain things. You just do the bare minimum. and Again, that's on an individual level. This is where individuals okay. decide that they will behave like that because terms have changed, because they're not happy with their job, but they cannot maybe switch either career or switch a company, or they're just stuck where where they are.
0: So, what are some of the warning signs if someone's thinking, "Gee, I wonder if it's happening to me"? What are some of the warning signs of being potentially quiet fired?
1: So, the obvious ones will be pay cuts demoting you, re-engineering your job description, which is uh, a very nice way to say we're going to make sure you're not doing what you did up until now, not giving you future opportunity for advancement, not acknowledging your accomplishment, or uh, giving some of your responsibility or uh, assigning some of your accomplishment to someone else. Uh, which is it? it's really is demoralizing. I mean, think about it.
2: Or getting signed additional responsibilities with no additional pay, and particularly unpleasant responsibilities that may not be the kind of thing that you want within your role or where yeah. originally. Yeah. You now
0: work midnight to eight a.m. Yeah, exactly. or something.
2: Yeah.
1: Sure. Or um, setting up expectations so high that it's unreasonable for you to achieve them, so you fail. But you don't didn't really fail. Just what is expected of you is now is not reasonable. Right. So that will happen too. Not giving you options to earn more money. So you can't you no know, extra teaching or not. You won't get another shift to work at or um, you no know, overload. Taking away perks that uh, Forrest mentioned earlier no parking spot, no office corner. No free lunches. No free lunches. (laughs) Uh, Switching you to lesser health benefit program, for example, uh, insurance. That happens a lot. That's actually a a really strong tool companies will use because, that will motivate people to
0: leave. I just thought of something. Is this less prevalent if there's a union involved or not necessarily?
2: Well, I mean, there's going to be legal issues when a union gets involved, and there's going to be real limitations to what companies can do in terms of some of these things. But as we've all seen, you know, even within those kinds of structures, there's plenty of room for companies to make individual employees tasks more difficult, less pleasant, less rewarding. Um, and so, you know, the, obviously, with the union involvement, there is going to be some level of legal protection um, and contractual protection between the employee and, and the company.
0: Well, so let's talk a little bit about what one does if they think they are being quiet fired. And you've you start with what you sort of said: diagnose the problem, figure out if it's happening, right?
1: True. So the first thing I think that people should do is. Do a reality check. Is it really happening to you? Because it can be, and unfortunately, as we look forward to the future, that a company will struggle and a company will take measure, not because they want to lay off people, but rather to keep as many people as possible not lay them off. So for example, we all got pay cuts during the pandemic, but that was not in order to push us out of the door. But it was more towards keeping as many employees as possible, not not forcing to fire them. So the first thing that you have to uh, do is make sure that you really understand the situation as is. The other element to it is you wanna make sure that it's not just directed towards you. So it's it's more widespread, and that puts you in a whole different level. Because again, going back to the union point, the union can protect you. Even if it's a gray area, having the union involved a lot of time will will stop a lot of it.
0: And what do you mean when you say knowledge is power?
2: Again, as I always said, I mean, one of the goals here is to first rationally diagnose the situation. Yep. Make sure you're not misunderstanding some of the signs that you may be getting from your employer because I, I um, have seen it enough times to know that, that we don't always see things objectively when we're looking at them. We may feel like we're being individually treated unfairly, treated poorly, and so forth, when that may not actually be the case. Um, Knowledge is power is, is, you know, when we're talking about do you really understand what's going on? Can you document what's going on? Do you have examples that you can sort of bring to bear on all of this to either prove or maybe even in your own mind disprove that you're being treated unfairly in some way um, or being quietly pushed out the door? So just sort of documenting what's going on, what you've done, what you've accomplished, um, so that you have a record of, okay, you know, I made all of these accomplishments. That's more than my benchmark, you know, um, employee or, or someone else um, within the organization. And and yet I'm not getting the same accolades. I'm not getting the pay raise. I'm not getting rewarded in the same way. Um, and having that knowledge can be a pretty strong indicator of what's really going on and what you might be able to do to address the problem. And as yeah.
0: you suggest, document the good and the bad.
2: Yeah.
1: But going back to knowledge is power, is really uh, know the rules of the game. So if you think that you're treating unfairly and something can happen, first thing that you have to check if, they, if the company is even allowed to do that Um, And that means you have to read some company document. In our case, it's probably gonna be the bylaws or the faculty handbook, which you'll be surprised how many people Mm -hmm. do not read those and are aware of their rights because your rights are being laid out there. So that would be the first step. Just make sure you have all the information that you need to make an objective assessment of the situation. And then, of course, document the good and the bad, right? Document all the good things that you're doing. There are a lot of good people out there. They're doing a lot of good things because they feel it's the right thing to do. But they also feel that it's wrong to brag about it or they feel uncomfortable communicating that they did a good job. But if you don't do that, then nobody will know, right? So... Really documented, uh, documenting everything that you do, especially if you do things that are better than your coworkers, um, y- you have to communicate those. So that's documenting the good. Documenting the bad is documenting things that are being done to you you passed on the promotion, you passed on the raise, yearly bonuses.
2: Um, you lost your assigned parking space.
1: Yeah, your, a project you worked on was given to someone else. Put everything in an email. If you have a question or you're asking why this is happening, put it in an email and ask for a written response. So if your manager, supervisor stop by just to respond to your email, that's normally not a good sign. So just follow up, write an email saying, well, based on our conversation, you said this and this. But you document everything because you will need to use it. If you choose to take a legal action, which sometimes people choose to take, that's the first thing that they will ask you. Show us that a real damage was done. Show us that you really suffer tangible losses, right? Not just emotional ones. But also, if you want to negotiate your way out, and that's another thing that people can do. If you want to negotiate your way out and you say to yourself, okay, obviously this is where the company is heading. I might as well skim as much as I can before I leave. Then now you have everything documented. You can show all the good things you did, all the bad things that happened to you. And now you can start negotiating for compensation to leave the company. A lot of people will not do that. They will just leave. They will be hurt because it really is. It's a zip- stress.
2: It's emotionally stressful. It's you know, It takes a real physical toll. Which is
0: why you say to prote- make sure you protect your mental health throughout this process.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah, and knowing that it's not being done to you specifically, but it's something that the company is doing in order on a wider scale, that that actually helps because you're all in the same boat. But still, you have to protect yourself. So that's how you that's how you do it. But absolutely, um, talk with people. Don't be ashamed. A lot of people are ashamed when things like that happen to them and they don't talk about it. Companies are actually um, counting on this because then it it keeps everything quiet, right? But you actually should communicate about it, you should talk about it, and it will help you basically survive until you make this decision one way or another.
0: And do you think quiet firing is here to stay, or is this a trend? Obviously, I guess we don't know yet, but is this something you yeah. see continuing?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, this kind of thing, as we note in the article, has been around for a long time under different names and and different guises. But I think it's probably the kind of thing that you'll see a lot of. I think it's sort of an interesting juxtaposition with the quiet quitting trend that that you mentioned earlier, where you've got so many people empowered by the the work from home and the Zoom work phenomenon that we've seen over the last couple of years, um, just basically checking out of work while not actually Outright quitting their job, and of course you 've seen stories out there of people who admit to having a couple of full time jobs and doing each of them half time but I think this thing you know is is going to be around for a while. depends on the industry ultimately though there are so many industries that simply cannot find enough employees um, they 're certainly not trying to quietly fire the ones um, that they do have they 're in fact uh, in many industries doing more than ever to try to retain co- or, excuse me retain employees in in uh, a variety of different ways including giving them better pay giving them better benefits and so forth. So I think it really depends on the industry but um you know these kinds of somewhat nefarious practices once they get embedded into organizations can carry on for a long time.
1: And you know working from home or distance working it creates distance between an employee and the company or employee and the supervisor it makes it much easier to implement hmm. because you don't need to look them in the eye. They're somewhere, <laughs> and now it's okay. You know, they're a number on a sheet. They're not
2: really people. It's so a level of depersonalization that makes it easier to mistreat people, generally speaking.
0: Where do you see the whole world of work playing out in the next couple? I you know some trends, or what are you looking at ahead in the work world that's really been changed forever?
1: Crisis like these tend to have lasting effect and um, they actually accelerate processes that started long before the crisis. If you look at Gen Z's and what Gen Z's are looking for when they're looking for a job, they always looked for flexibility. For So it wasn't working from home, it was working from the coffee shop. If you remember, people would sit there, start their day at 10 o'clock in the morning, wait a latte, and just have meetings there, right? It started way before the pandemic. What happened was that it accelerated. The same thing happened with teaching online. Two years ago, teaching online was something that was debatable at MSU. I remember I was part of the Faculty Senate, we had discussions, should we have some programs, some courses online, how far should we take it? And then COVID hit and it was done. Do you see higher education go back and giving up? Online education, never gonna happen, not in a million years. And that's probably what's gonna happen with with our work environment.
2: Yeah, I had a, a, several teenagers at home as COVID hit. Um, still have a few of those teenagers at home now. But I think about it from the perspective of those Gen Z kids that were still in their formative years when all of this happened. And, and you know, some of my kids are now um, in their early 20s. But for the younger ones especially, they have seen me sit and work from home for a couple of years now. It's sort of embedded in their generation's consciousness now. And I would expect that any attempt to go Fully away from at home work to some extent, distance work, the opportunity to work a certain amount of your uh, schedule from home. If you're at least if you're in that type of industry that doesn't require. Um, you know, hands-on customer service delivery or something like that. I think it'll probably be the norm and it will only accelerate for a lot of businesses. They've come to the realization that having a headquarters, having a single place where everyone comes is economically not yeah. in their best interest. And so for a lot of companies themselves, they say, yeah, we're not going to go back to that. We're going to, it's going to be really hard on the commercial property industry over the next few decades but you, you've got you know lots of empty buildings in major cities now that used to have companies in them that simply aren't going to go back because it's more economical not to do so.
1: I think what will happen is that uh, companies will learn to maximize opportunities and options so it used to be that people travel all over the world to perform their job now they jump on Zoom There's a lot of cost saving, and I think that what will happen is that every company will find their optimal balance between home and work. I think my key takeaway will be we all like to feel appreciated. It doesn't matter if it's a quiet firing or just your boss doesn't like you. It doesn't matter. You feel unappreciated. It depletes your emotional resources. Move. I know it's not always possible but just looking for other options will make you feel better nobody needs to live in in an environment like that
2: yeah and i would just say you know if you do think you're being pushed out of a job if you think you're being treated unfairly really rationally analyze the situation to the best of your ability they're often really emotional situations and that can lead you to jump to conclusions but getting back to what we talked about earlier documenting things that are being done to you both the good and the bad um, see if you can come to a, a rational conclusion about how you're being treated or mistreated, potentially, and then make your decisions based on that information.
0: Well, Professors Morgerson and Ruvio, thank you very much for talking with us about the quiet firing phenomenon. Oh, thank thank you. you for having us. And you can follow up with more of that. Again, just search for uh, uh, the Harvard Business Review, Are You Being Quiet Fired? It was published in November. And uh, we've been talking with Forrest Morgeson and Ayala Rubio. They are both professors in the Eli Broad College of Business Department of Marketing. And I'm Russ White. This is MSU Today.